right, and we are live. This is Tom of Moore's Law is Dead, a PC hardware and gaming podcast. And I am, of course, joined by my brother. Dan of somewhere in the Northeast. That's right. Well, now the cat's out of the bag. I kind of let the illusion that maybe we were in the same building continue. Because if you listen to any of my podcast episodes, I do a pretty good job, of, I think, of making it sound like we're in the same room. But we're not. <laughs> except for that one time we were. <laughs> yeah, except for we were. Except for sometimes we are, actually, <laughs> I guess. But uh, you can't tell. So the illusion lives. I guess, you know, <laughs> I want to start with this because it keeps coming up. Dan, do you like yogurt? Yeah, it does. It keeps coming up in a way like you think I have some like crusade against yogurt. That's not. Yeah, you're a yogurt Nazi. Hashtag, hashtag yogurt Nazi 2019. I, I don't know why. When I turned like 15 years old, it just made me gag and throw up every time I ate yogurt. So I'm just like, well, I guess yogurt's not a thing I'm eating anymore. <laughs> Reminds me of something else when I was 15 years old. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I the funny thing is, the more, the older I get, the more I love yogurt. It's like it's not high calorie. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I sound like such a bitch now. It's not high calorie, and it tastes good, and it's a lot of protein. It's just like I want some protein. Boom, yogurt, and it's like 120 calories done. I'm not hungry anymore. I keep eating it more and more. The only thing I'll say is it's a little expensive for the amount of calories in it, but it's like I don't know. I don't know. I think I might be turning into a middle-aged woman. Yeah, well. By the way, Dan, I need to address my pronouns. Oh. Just kidding. We're not getting into that. Number one, first story of the day is... Let's just start with my RX 5700 review. Did you watch that? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Um, I mean, I don't have a 5700, so it seems to fall pretty much in line with most of what I've seen. I mean, I did some research looking into like the mining. Yeah, you helped me with that. Just so you guys know, Dan is behind the scenes on almost every video. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I the best I could find was a guy referencing like his friend said he got four mega hash. So. <laughs> yeah, today I got sent some information where someone said they figured out a way to mine Ethereum maybe, but he didn't give me any numbers, right? So if he's not willing to give me numbers, I assume it's still not good. I mean, I mean, here's what you guys really need to think about when it comes to mining with the RX 5700 or, and 5700 XT, any of Navi, any of Navi that uses GDR6. Compare it to GDR5X Pascal cards because GDR5X is almost literally GDR6 except clock lower. It's going to get to at most about 50 mega hash, guys. Latency matters with a lot of mining algorithms. And when you really break it down, the most this could get to with the bandwidth it has is probably around uh, a 1080 Ti, which is like, not as good as Vega. Now, some 1080 Ti's can get above 50 mega hash, but they're using 350 watts screaming while doing it. Meanwhile, my Vega cards, and I'm looking at them next to me right now mining, these Vega cards can run undervolted to 150 watts while getting 40 plus mega hash. So it, there's just no competition. And I see RDNA, if I had to guess, at best, being marginally better than a Vega 64. Vega 64 is substantially cheaper. And Radeon 7, it's a joke. Radeon 7 is an insane compute bandwidth card. It is so good. I just don't see RDNA doing that. And uh, just as a reminder, like what does the 5700 get uh, like for compute? 
It's like 10 teraflops for the special edition, a little bit below that for the others. So obviously, I think it's a software issue, which, I mean, we all know that already. They're essentially running uh, drivers for a different architecture on RDNA right now. So maybe in the future, we'll see it improve. And just to be clear, um, you have to remember this is on TSMC and not Global Foundries. Though Every Global Foundries chip I've tested, and guys, I've tested so many things because I mine. And remember, I also processors, including Kabini ones. Like I've used so much stuff. Global Foundries tends to be really efficient when you undervolted at stock settings. TSMC tends to scale very linearly. Look, TSMC is better, all right? But what that means is you're not going to get as much of a benefit from undervolting. Um, you get a good benefit from Radeon 7. But if you watch my Radeon 7 review, you'll see that I found my Radeon 7 is actually more efficient, slightly overclocked, uh, <laughs> and unslightly undervolted. Whereas with Global Foundries, peak efficiency is like way undervolted, for sure. That's what you want to do. And if you want to hit peak efficiency, you either have to overclock TSMC or you have to clock it much lower, much lower. You have to actually underclock it, not undervolt it. So I just don't see Navi being as good at that. And, and to bridge that review, though, I mean, the thing I wanted to bring up is actually, I want to have a kind of a conversation about this. I am not a reviewer. Here's my opinion. If you follow Moore's Law is dead, I really, really think Hardware Unboxed has perfected performance reviews. And I this is a 100% endorsement of Steve Walton at Hardware Unboxed. Seriously, I have taken <laughs> multiple games he's benchmarked and ran them myself. I get the exact same numbers. He is the king. I And I want to be honest, I'm not shitting on any other reviewer. I'm really not. I can't do that with anyone else. And, 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 I, and by the way, I talk to him a lot, guys. It's not like, it's not like, oh, Tom said this. What does Steve think? It's like, well, I probably talked to him before I said it, right? Like, we talk to each other a lot. I have a tremendous respect for Steve Walton. And let me assure you, we don't always see eye to eye. Before I made this channel, I got into some lengthy multi-paragraph arguments with him on YouTube. So, no, but I, I endorse him. He, his numbers, you almost always, and no one's perfect, they're as close to perfect as you can get. And as he said to me when we were talking, stop trying to butter me up. I should probably stop saying good things about him. All right. What do you want to say, Dan? No, I was just saying, and just based on the nature of your channel and like, your current uh what's your current uh, capabilities like you you can't produce as if, like from a numbers perspective you can't produce as high quality data so you have to pull data from other sources that aren't necessarily you so like you can't compare the benchmarks from your system with like a 1080 ti because you don't have a 1080 ti to compare it against <laughs> no, I don't. What I do have is very enthusiastic supporters who reach out to help me. My 2080 yeah. Ti. So yeah, let me say that too, right? About my 5700 review because people disputed some things. My 2080 Ti data, absolutely stand by it. I got a buddy in France. 
I know his numbers are good. I cross-reference them with other people. He is good. And he has said that eventually he'd be willing to run benchmarks for me. Will, I can see that happening soon. That's correct. Also, Vegas 64, that's my Vegas 64. I benchmarked that on my own system. I opened up my desktop, reinstalled drivers, did all the bullshit to get that running in my non-test bench. That's correct. Radeon 7, obviously that's correct. Same story. 5700, same story. Everything else I pulled from other reviewers that I could verify. I had to have at least two sources getting the same frame rate for me to use it. I I stand by my numbers. They're correct. And this leads me to what the first story was about. This is number one. I'm really proud of this tweet, Dan. For those who don't know, there were some people who say my benchmark roster is biased. And the benchmark roster is basically games I own that I think are a good benchmark of what is coming. And they're not irrelevant. To be clear, I love Metro Last Light for benchmarking. It's so effective and easy to launch. But I eventually just said I'm not using it anymore because I was getting like 200 frames per second with every graphics card. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's great for like efficiency. I mean, not efficiency, testing clocks. Which, yeah, yeah, I mean, you and I, when we overclock, it's just, oh, let's go get lunch and run this for the next three hours. (laughs) But Actually, I do want to say this. I've been using Metro Last Light since I was in college. And I remember, I went to college at Michigan Tech. This is above parts of Canada. It's absurdly cold. There's this one day I was working in the library there and it was cold even in the library. It was like 50 degrees. So I took my gaming netbook, which had a 650 Ti in it, and I had it run a hundred loops of Metro Last Light while I was studying, and I pointed the fan towards me. <laughs> and I also remember when you were in college, you would like put a mining rig up to the window in the winter so you would get like environmental cooling and Yeah, what I would do is when I overclocked my 7970, I almost got it to 1300 megahertz. And that was when it was negative 20 outside and I left my window open and closed the door. (laughs) I I had four blankets on top of my... That's serious overclocking, guys. Come on. And also I had Delta fans. I had a 120 millimeter squared fan. No, 120 millimeter fan. Uh, at the front of my case, and it blew directly into the graphics card. I mean, like a millimeter away from the graphics card. And it moved 160 cubic feet per minute. Sounds about right. I'm not exaggerating. If you held your hand over it like, well, Dan can see me, like this, and let the fan drift up into my hand, it would hover if I turned it on full. (laughs) It could fly. That's how powerful the fan was. Also, if you put your... There was one time I let my finger get in it and it shot blood out the back of my case. (laughs) That's the type of cooling I'm talking about, guys. But yeah, no, getting back to our main subject, though. um, The point that I'm trying to make is this. I stand by my numbers and there were people that said my benchmark roster, which just so everyone knows, my benchmark roster is Deus Ex... Mankind Divided, a beautiful game that I think runs incredibly well. There are some people that dispute this, and I agree that certain portions of the game aren't the best looking, but there are certain portions that are quite literally photorealistic in my eyes. That game, uh, Strange Brigade, just because it's a good running DX12 game. Guys, complain all you want. I'm not running The Witcher 3. This is years old. I'm running DX12. This is the future. Division 2, DX12. 
Dan, what do you think about DX uh, Division Two DX12 performance? Um, actually, I it, I haven't uh, used DX12 just because uh, I'm used to not turning it on. Maybe I should try it. <laughs> Jesus Christ! We'll leave that in the podcast. I think. <laughs> Why not? Uh, just so you know, Dan, if you use DX12, the game. Everything's better. Frame rate, loading time. I mean, no. Well, like uh, what they said it would be. <laughs> then that's my point. Is Strange Brigade and uh, Division Two are what you expect it to be. I also use Ghost Recon Wildlands, which me and Dan have played the shit out of. Bolivia is completely liberated. We blew up every village. They're safe now. Um, <laughs> that is a joke. That game has some pretty apprehensive uh, political pretty pretty, uh, jingoistic political attitudes (laughs) I still think the writers who who wrote for Ghost Recon Wildlands were trying to be stupid like there's no way they actually wrote things we won't get into it. Yeah, we, th- th- that's a that's yeah. its own episode. If you that, guys, that's want. A, I mean, that's an episode of a comedy podcast. I think. But. I think we've been and we've been planning to launch Tight Five, so we'll save that for later. Those are the types of games I'm running, and when you and Far Cry Five, when you average them out, um, I get the same results as Hardware Unbox. I had people say that this was more biased than AMD's own PowerPoints, and I tweeted, "You know what's funny." being blindly accused of having a review roster more biased than AMD's own slides. Hmm, let me check Hardware Unboxed. He found that the 5700 was 2% weaker than the 2070. And I'm not kidding, guys. My results are 1.8% slower. 1.8% for my five games versus Hardware Unboxed 2% for 30 plus games. Guys, I chose them for a reason. And I am willing to admit that I am 0.2% biased towards AMD. <laughs> I totally am, guys. If you put a gun up to my head, I pick AMD 0.2% more times than NVIDIA, which Hardware Unbox says he accuses me of having a golden retail sample. <laughs> exactly. He gets it. And I've seen the shit he gets. You know what was a good video? Linus Tech Tips did this video where he called out people accusing him of being biased for, towards Intel, where he literally did the... I don't know. You probably haven't seen this, Dan. I think it's no. one of the most brilliant... But This is only a video you can afford to do. Yeah, if you have millions of people watching your videos, making you, by my estimation, like $100,000 a month in ad revenue. This is the only way you can afford this. But he did this. Linus Tech Tips had a guy walk down the street because he lives in a city, to a mom-and-pop store that sells Intel processors and had him buy five samples, come back <laughs> and benchmark all five at the same time, and he filmed the entire thing. It took two days. He had a guy follow them with a camera, filmed them walking to the store, <laughs> buying it, hooking it up, benchmarking it, putting the stuff in Excel, editing together the video, and launching the video on YouTube. And they fucked up once and started over. <laughs> they returned the processors and bought five different ones. Jesus Christ. Guys. Good for Linus. <laughs> I fully endorse Linus Tech Tips as well, guys. He's entertaining, but stuff like that only comes from him. You don't see that from other people. 
I will say some of his stuff when I was getting into first getting into PC gaming, it did help me out, like build videos, uh, oh, very simple overclocking guides, but still just like, how do I overclock? Like it was helpful, very helpful for that. <laughs> he comes off as quite the quote unquote casual, but the guy does stuff. And even his 5700 XT review, which he was not saying good things. And I want to address this right away. There was something wrong with their graphics card. Clearly, they had been sent a faulty graphics card from what I could tell. <laughs> and they even said that in the review, we think this one might be faulty, but we're going to show the results because that's what we could test. I think it's kind of like Rotten Tomatoes. There's a certain honesty in only evaluating the information you have and assuming because there's 100 people reviewing this product, the average will be the right answer. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree with that. Just I just want to say that. Right, because people are going to say, my 5700 review was very good. Why do you endorse Linus Tech Tips? I don't dispute his results. I dispute just, I think he got a faulty card. And he even said that. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about the 5700 is, I'm very proud of the title. It proves the 5700, the uh, RTX 2070 is mid-range. Guys, there it is. This is a card, and I've done a video on this. It costs AMD about $250 at most to make, and they're selling it. Guys, the 2070 is cheaper to make. The 2070 should be 300 bucks, and, and you know what it should be called? The 2060. <laughs> and by the way, the cut down 2060 should be called the 2060 SE. Anyone who's been here since Fermi knows how that works. It's very, yeah. it was abhorrent. I saw a comment on my YouTube video that I thought was hilarious. I pinned it for a while. It said, Oh my God, these mining prices, the 1060 is $500. I can't believe this. Wait, 2070 is 500? Let me buy it right away. <laughs> Beautiful. Exactly. Sometimes you guys nail it. I encourage it. Uh, all right. That was a long intro, but it was really good though. That was good. So let's move on to number two, the Cortex podcast. I want your opinions. I feel like there were bombshells people aren't talking about. What do you think about that? I mean, overall, I thought it was a really good conversation. I'll just say that. Uh, His voice is beautiful. Yeah, he sounds like, uh, I said this to you, he reminds me of like Beric Dundarian's voice from Game of Thrones, like the guy that had a flaming sword. <laughs> yeah, the flaming sword guy, the guy who is always like, you guys ready for this? I can light swords on fire. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the big bomb that he dropped was ARM GPUs, which he didn't say much about them because I'm guessing there's almost nothing out there about them. But I mean, I'm always excited to see a new competitor entering the field. So this is something Cortex has touched on before, where he says that people seem to ignore ARM way too often when this is a company that if you look at their market cap, their business, their market share, they are just as big as Intel and AMD. And it's ridiculous how often people don't talk about their product launches. I mean, we literally, I mean, I can only imagine the amount of red gaming tech videos that have come out this week talking about just the smallest dumps Lisa Sue and Intel has taken right now. But ARM launches some new eight core that uses five watts. No one cares. Like, why is that? I don't think it's been many times, but there's been rumors about ARM entering like the CPU, yeah, like the CPU desktop space for a while now. And whenever the rumor flares up again, it tends to just die down 
within like a month or two. So maybe it's just people ignoring it. I that that might be part of it. I just mean at the greater scale. Like I think I'm planning on doing a big video on Via just because I want to. Like this is another company with a Times 86 license that any look guys, if Intel and AMD got out of control, I can promise you Via will enter the market. It won't be more efficient, it won't be better overall, but it will be a quarter of the price. And I want to do a video about how Via just should not be ignored, that this is that just small shank in the distance that could stab out of nowhere that no one's expecting. <laughs> but the problem I have is ARM is shanking constantly and people <laughs> ignore them. And they're in Windows laptops. I was just at Best Buy. They have them. There's ARM laptops there right now. They're just not that great yet. I remember seeing those like, and it's just like, oh, cool. A not Intel or AMD thing. <laughs> I know. Which again, I'm not an AMD circle jerker. I want good products, guys. It's just AMD's making the best ones right now. And I yeah. will be, you know, and by the way, I get the feeling if ARM takes over, prepare for Cortex to turn into the ARM channel. <laughs> <laughs> I get this feeling from talking to him every other day. But uh, but he's right. And I find it weird that there aren't more people waving the ARM flag. And on, on, on that subject, though. Well, there's no reason to be a, an ARM fanboy yet. Give it three Unless years. Unless you though. love <laughs> smartphones. And to be clear, there are YouTube channels with three million subscribers that are talking about uh, ARM every other day. So that that yeah. is a thing. But <laughs> in, in our space, it's just weird. I just think it's going to come out of nowhere. You're going to see all of a sudden all of these Times 86 ARM processors. And what they're doing is insane. They're literally saying, we don't have a Times 86 license. So we're going to make our emulation so efficient that we're more efficient than <laughs> AMD and Intel. That's their goal. That's insane. Which I don't even know how that's possible to do that. But if they can figure it out. I don't know if you've looked at how efficient their chips are, but they're insane. Um, like I could see a situation where they get it to like 90% efficiency, which makes it 2% more efficient than AMD and Intel. 2% doesn't matter. There's a big pie. They don't have their finger in. They just enter and take even just 10% of the market. Boom. Record stock price. It's just like the idea of simulating or emulating the system being emulated is necessarily, it has more parts to it. So if they can figure out how to make it more efficient than the people that are actually using x86 that's pretty fantastic <laughs> that would be when you sell amd and intel stock <laughs> like that would be ridiculous and on that note arm gpus don't have to worry about a times 86 license so but to be honest and i say this in the podcast with cortex when he said that to me i i and i i no one brought this up to me but in the podcast i think i was just like yeah and <laughs> i think i literally <laughs> just glossed over a bombshell he dropped but that's because it's so painfully obvious. It's like, why are they bothering? Bothering? Well, I know why. It's because that's every system has a Times 86 processor in it. So you have to have that. The graphics card is secondary, technically. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, you don't need that license for GPUs. And I've seen some smartphones that can game pretty goddamn well for the performance per watt. <laughs> it's surprising to me they haven't done this yet. When he told me that, I was like, makes sense. <laughs> It yeah. would not surprise me if Via was doing this too, guys. And, and and this is something I've touched on in videos. If graphics cards get to ludicrous markups, ludicrous profit margins, 
Other people will enter the market. It's common sense. If no one does, Elon Musk will, even though he doesn't make this shit. Like someone will do it. They will make a graphics card half as efficient for a tenth the cost because that's where we're getting towards. Well, yeah, that's common sense. When a when a, any space becomes a shit show, it makes it ripe for other comp- uh, a new competitor to enter the field, which I think based on what you've been hammering home and I've been hammering home on this podcast, I think the space is becoming a shit show. So. Yeah, the space is becoming a shit show. For when me and Dan entered this market, I mean, it was so much more inter- it was so much more interesting right before we entered, but we entered at a time where we could still read the articles and they weren't old. So like we're yeah. we're like it, our, me and Dan by the way are like the end of the millennial generation, that generation that barely remembers the world without the internet. And that goes the same for this PC world. We remember the old world, even though we mostly grew up in the new world. We're like at that borderline, which I think is interesting. Like we still understand that the save thing is a floppy disk. (laughs) Yeah, I I used floppy disks. I I only use floppy disks for a week, but I use them. I get it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would add to this is... um, Yeah, what you said. This industry is ripe for disruption. And I think ARM is so, so primed to do it. It's ridiculous. And I am so excited to see what happens here because this is a question someone asked me in my Discord. How many, and I said this to Cortex, how many graphics card manufacturers do you think this market can sustain because we only have two right now? Like how many before one's pushed out? There used to be six. So I think at least five. And yeah, it's just when you put more things into a space or a system, it's going to get it's going to get more chaotic. But I think what will happen is if two more competitors enter, which based on what we know right now, two more pe- uh, companies are trying to become competitors in the GPU space. Who knows? Maybe there's one we don't even know about yet. But Uh, And I've said that before. I would not be surprised if you had these, a startup, literally a startup, probably with smart, rich kids, but literally just like a hundred people that say, fuck this. And they come together and they just start making 28 nanometer chips that are as strong as, well, let's say they use 250 watts and they're as strong as a 5700 XT. Like, oh, no, I'm sorry, 300 watts. I'll make the argument right now because I, I want to have this conversation even though it's off subject. Let's say you have, like, so if I was a startup CEO, like one of those shitheads who starts a company when he's too young and becomes rich, what would I do? I would say there's all these 28 nanometer foundries people want to phase out. And also all those 20, 20 nanometer foundries that no one ever got full usage out of, in addition to 10 nanometer foundries people didn't use well, Let's go to them. Let's go to Texas Instruments. Let's go to these companies that have cheap <laughs> foundries. And let's say, here's what we want to do. We want to make this graphics card. What would the graphics card be? 350 watts. I'm not fucking around. 350. Who cares? 350 watts. But you know what we can do? We can buy the same liquid cooler AMD's buying right now for Vega. Who cares? So we buy this liquid cooler that can cool 350 watts. How strong would it be? As strong as a 5700 XT. That liquid cooler is at most... $30 in material costs. It's probably 20 bucks. So let's say $20. And I find a foundry where I can make this graphics card for 50 bucks, which by the way, guys, that's probably how much it would cost. 
So that's seventy dollars. Well, how old is twenty-eight nanometer now? Like oh, like yeah. What is it? Like five years old? It might be twenty nanometer by now. So you take a seventy-dollar graphics card. The RAM is the same cost for everyone. You just go to Samsung, say we want to buy GDR6 chips. Guess how much these chips cost? AMD does not have a monopoly on this. Nvidia does not have a monopoly on this. I just go to them and I say I want. 16 chips. That's right. I'm going to be an asshole. 512-bit, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Same bandwidth as them. My chip isn't as powerful, but at least I have the same bandwidth. That, 160... Yeah, so that'd be $160. So what do we have? 100... No, it wouldn't. It would be, it'd be like $6 per chip. So 6 times 16, right? What are we getting to, Dan? 96. That's $96? You're right. So $96 plus 70... We're already, okay, so now we're to $166. All right, what did I just do? I have a 10% markup, a hot, like, and that's including the PCB I just added to, by the way. So we have like a $200 graphics card. Yes, it uses 350 watts, but guess what, guys? It has 16 gigabytes of RAM. It's as strong as a 5700 XT, and it costs half as much while using double the energy. That's going to happen if this market gets out of control. The thing that sucks is there would probably be two years or three years where that's not happening, and that would suck. That'd be three shitty years. Yeah, and, and what I would say, back to the main point, um, if you see like four or five competitors in the space, maybe over the next decade, it gets refined back to like two again, which is probably what would happen. And maybe- Which is usually what happens, but there's usually three, and, the, and it always refines to two. Yeah, and maybe those two companies would end up being NVIDIA and AMD still, but they would be better companies than they are right now. I have a lot of people that think it's just going to be Intel and AMD, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, Which would be I, very I said, satisfying after NVIDIA buys 3DFX and kills the Voodoo graphics cards. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying maybe maybe the space 10 years from now, it's like, oh, this is just what happens. And, and the reason I really want to emphasize this is it's because if AMD and NVIDIA only focus on data centers, that's what will happen. But let's move on to number three. So number three, the server engineer interview. What did you think of that? Very good. I like that guy a lot. Um, I, I still talk I mean, to him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think just a, a non-gamer's perspective is also interesting. Like, uh, I know, right? I liked when you brought up 3D Mark. He is he just said, wait, so like drag racing GPUs? <laughs> yeah, he's directly right. That's what 3D Mark is. By the way, there were a dozen comments of people saying I don't respect gamers for saying that. That is a perfect analogy though. Like and it's a perfect a, analogy, I agree. A a drag car racing car, it's a car that is completely impractical to use on the road. They literally need to use a parachute. To stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a great, like, and if you enjoy doing that, that's fine. But admit that this isn't really translatable to gaming. At least it's not 100% translatable to gaming. You have to admit that. And what I like about your analogy, this drag racing thing, your analogy, his analogy, you adding on to it, is that I worked for one of the big three automotive companies. The cars that interest me the most we're not <laughs> the dumb ones. Um, I wasn't a fan of like, I don't know, right? A Ford Focus or Chevy Cruze, right? They're okay. They're good cars, actually, I think. But the cars that interested me were the ones that pushed the limits without going full, mm, I can't say the R word anymore, without going full TikTok. Uh, so these were cars like the Corvette or a Dodge Charger 
or a uh, or is it Challenger? It's Challenger, isn't it? Uh, I think it uh, is. I, there's both. I, I I don't know cars, so don't. The one with way too much horsepower. I've driven that. That's every muscle car. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you're being honest, Chrysler is one of the only ones that makes that anymore. <laughs> like like uh, when you drive that car, and I did drive that for a business trip, uh, it was like, this car is really comfortable, has awesome seats, and it has 500 horsepower. <laughs> but like, I'm not that interested in the 1,000 horsepower cars. Don't get me wrong. I think they're cool. I think the one-to-one, that's the name of a car, it's one horsepower per kilogram, that's insane, is cool. But I think it's much more interesting when people make something practical that is 90% as good. Obviously. <laughs> like It's not obvious, though, because I have people attack me for shitting on these people that use double the energy with liquid nitrogen to do what? Nothing. And they don't even, and this is what really annoys me. I want to do this diatribe here. I wish one person would liquid nitrogen their card. One person. I've literally never seen this. Please point me to where someone's done this. Where they don't push it to the ni- the 100% limit, but maybe the 90% with liquid nitrogen. So they bump down the clocks a little bit. And then they play like Metro Exodus with a Titan RTX running at zero, like at like 10 Celsius or something with liquid nitrogen and they do it for an hour straight and then they run it at like, you know, I don't know, right? 2.53 gigahertz. I want to know, like what would this do if it was 50% overclocked? What bottlenecks would you hit? How long could you game? What Are you able to get 165 frames per second in 4K with a Titan RTX if it's clocked 50% faster? That to me, is a much more practical benchmark. That would be, I would watch that video in a second. I'd be like, oh, I would do a video about that video. There'd be a video inception event. Maybe if people did that, there would be actual value to like liquid nitrogen overclocking. But when when what you're doing is like, hey, look, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? it? It really doesn't add any value to like you say, I got a big number. You boot it into CPU-Z. Ooh. <laughs> That's stable, if you ask me. <laughs> but yeah, any other things about the server engineer? Because I feel like he had some really interesting stuff. Well, yeah, obviously, you guys talked a lot about like the McDonald's chiplet menu idea. Which I agree. So he says he thinks it's 15 years away, and he could be right on that. I have no clue. He's very um, conservative. If he's he listening, I'm saying you're conservative. Yeah, he... Small, small C conservative. Um, it makes sense why you would be conservative if you, your job is a, a server engineer for a major bank, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and a hospital. Like, it makes sense why you would be conservative. Like, you don't want to implement a system that you don't 100% understand yet. And that makes sense. And maybe that which which he continues to say by the way when i talk to him he hates rumors he only wants to talk about what's proven and then extrapolate that data which is good more people need to do stuff like that yeah and i i think like the whole chiplet met chiplet menu thing that is definitely a thing that we're going towards i have no clue when it's going to happen and for like gamers i don't even know how practical it's going to be really maybe you have some thoughts on it that I haven't thought of, but I... Yeah, I mean, I talk about this in a video that I have banked. It's one of my banked videos, guys, so I don't know when it's going to come out, probably within a week. But 
It's one of those videos where I just talk about the limitless, um, and I've sent you the thumbnail for it already, the limitless possibilities of chiplets and iodize. And it's like, I mean, to be honest, the end possibility is that you order a CPU like you order a car. You go to amd.com and say, I want this IO die with this bandwidth. I want this amount of L4 cache with this much HBM. And I want this many cores and I want them clocked this high. And then you get a price and you order it and it gets there in a month. Just to be clear, I don't know that that will happen. He brings up a very good point in saying that the logistics for that would be a nightmare unless you had a high amount of volume. But that is possible. That's possible. Which is why I kind of default to, he's probably right, that we're, like, I would guess maybe 10 years away from it at least, because sure. Um, one, thing, one thing that uh, you need to understand about a lot of it is manufacturing processes, like in every industry, they are incredibly particular. Like... In the science, like in biology fields, like what I'm accustomed to, everything is multiples of 12. There's no reason everything is multiples of 12. It's just that's what one guy did. So now every single like sample holder is yeah. a multiple of 12. <laughs> yep, I know. There's a lot of stuff like that. Or I mean, some people go crazy and do eight. <laughs> I like eight. I'm a fan of eight. I'm an eight boy. Yeah. Um, but so what I'm saying, though, is there is a future that I think we... I, and here's the thing I say. People go, why do you think this is possible? And the reason I think it's possible is because we want it. And I'm so sick of these arguments. Why will this happen? Because I want it. That's why. People, people accomplish anything they want. Yeah, I know. But it, it, all I'm saying is if you're... <laughs> it might not be soon. Manufacturers don't like switching like changing out their machines to manufacture things in a different way. <laughs> to say they don't like it is an understatement. But <laughs> what I want to say is this is the future he touches on that I really want to hit home. So I just got this HP laptop, which I love. It has a graphics card stronger than a con as strong as a console, literally. Like I'm playing AAA games in 1080p while using 20 watts, guys. And it's nuts because it's the size of my hand. It, like That's how small this laptop is. And it has a full quad core that boosts to 4.6 gigahertz, 4 gigahertz. And it actually does, by the way, unlike the previous uh, generation. And the graphics card's that powerful. And this blows me away that we're even here by now. But there's a future where I might go to HP, which is one of my more preferred websites. I'm not endorsing HP, but like they tend to make things I like. And I would say generally, I think laptops are pretty good. OEMs are pretty good right now, I think. I still don't like Dell, but that might just be a holdover. <laughs> it's a holdover. I, I, I look at Dell now. I haven't bought one recently, but Dell is making some interesting things in the reliability scores. And you'll like to hear this. We're not getting into it, by the way. But Dell, like we have nightmares with Dell in our past. Um, but Dell's reliability scores have compared to where they were gone through the roof. So, I mean, everyone seems to be making okay things for what they're trying to do. This is competition, right? Yeah. If you keep making shitty products, uh, you're going to go out of business. <laughs> yeah. They almost did. Dell almost did. So, I want you to imagine a world, though, where I go to hp.com as an example, it could be Lenovo, who cares? Yeah. And I go, I want, what screen size do you want? 
and I go 11 inches, which I would prefer if they could make it bezel-less so I can fit it in my back pocket. So I want you to imagine this. So I go there, and then they say, how many cores? Eight. How much cash? Two gigabytes. What kind of graphics card? I want this chiplet right here. They throw it in. How much RAM? This much? It's one SOC. They make it on demand, throw it into the laptop on demand, and you get this laptop in a month. And it's exactly what you need for the exactly the applications you run. That's the future. And that's going to revolutionize so many devices. It's going to be insane. In fact, what will be cool about it is I won't have to deal with these stupid-ass companies putting two powerful or two-week processors and laptops, and I can just get exactly what I want. Yeah, and I, I remember like Ultrabooks, a lot of the time they would have like, which a lot of the time they were like two core i7s or something, but they would put i7s in with like four gigs of RAM and just... Yeah, what? <laughs> Eight gigs, guys. And that I know what you're talking about. I had a MacBook that had that. And it was, it was fine for the three years I had it. But by the end of that three years, four gigabytes was holding it back. And I probably would have had 30% higher performance the whole time if I had more RAM. That RAM probably cost 40 bucks. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, give me control. And what that's going to do, too, is it's probably going to revolutionize the custom building market because if you know what you're doing, you can do it better than they can. All right. Sean asks, any thoughts on when DDR5 will be coming out? Last time I went all in on a computer was right before DDR4. I don't want this to happen again. Well, I mean, I, mean, I think DDR5 comes out late next year. Yeah, I was when I read this, I was going to say 2020. That's when they're estimated to come out. And it, I, I guess I don't know that much about Zen 3. how it's going. Zen 3 is probably going to be another hybrid generation that can support both. But yeah, it seems like the the jump to DDR5 is less labored than whatever happened with DDR4, where they were trying to make it for like almost 10 years, right? Keep in mind, my previous Envy laptop, remember, I just have a two-year newer model of my previous one. My previous one actually had DDR3L, which was a low-voltage DDR3. So, I mean, Intel still can support DDR3 on their processors. So, I, I just wouldn't worry about it too much. What I will say is Zen 3 is going to support it by 2021. You're going to see that. But I think uh, I do think RAM prices are going to be reasonable through early next year. And what I'll say is, Dan, you're using DDR3, right? Yeah, it still works. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's great. What's your i7, though? Uh, the f <laughs> I... The 50, fuck, I always forget the name of this. Yeah, thing. it's the 50 fuck. Yeah, the, what is it, like the 5775C or something like that? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I like how you had to swear and... <laughs> <laughs> that was the name that immediately jumped to mind, but I didn't want to sound stupid if I was wrong. No, you sounded <laughs> way more intelligent going the 50 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so no, yeah, he has a Broadwell i7 with the Crystal Well graphics. I mean, if if he when he sells his Vega someday to upgrade, I mean, his graphics card is integrated ones will still be powerful enough for a while. Of course, you're probably upgrading to Ryzen this year, aren't you? Well, yeah, I think that I think that's been one of the uh the running themes is <laughs> me complaining about my PC falling apart slowly. <laughs> yeah, so this is good. Because I discovered this last night. Every night, every other night, me and Dan will play video games together. And then we'll talk for like 15 minutes before we go to bed. 
And while I'm talking, I'll have my desktop pop up. Dan is getting on Battlefield 5. And at first I was like, is he just playing Battlefield 5 without me while we talk? What the fuck is this about? And then all of a sudden he's like, no, I'm making sure it loads correctly because I keep having my files get corrupted. <laughs> so he's checking that his files work a day before we might get on again. Yep. <laughs> hey, has it ever happened? Has whatever Have happened? Have you ever checked it the night before and it was corrupted? I think it mostly happens when updates occur. So may, uh, I'm probably just being overly paranoid, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. So Dan needs to upgrade. And actually, let's go to uh, this next one here. Skip ahead a little bit. So for number four, the R53500X. Are you interested in this? Just so everyone knows, this is a new six core that's coming out from AMD. It's a rumor, but I think it's true. It's a rumor that it will be a six core. I would guess 12 thread because testing shows that actually you want to keep hyper threading on for the most part. So I think they'll keep hyper threading on. I just think this will be the absolute worst yields of all of their processors. You know, most of the time when they've did, I think TSMC is up to like 80% yields. And so even that 20%, more than half of them probably only have like a quarter of the die defective. And if that's the case, they can just say disable part of the cache and then disable two of the cores and then clock the cores lower. I think this is going to be a four gigahertz, six core Zen two processor for like $160. Yeah. And it, when I saw this, yeah, that it, it's added to the list of processors I'm thinking about upgrading to, um, I was initially thinking like the 2700, but this might be a better option. We'll we'll see. For gaming, it would probably be slightly better, at least in the short term, and it would be way more efficient. I would say, again, here's how I think of it. For $100, you want Zen 1 R5 1600. It's like when I th find it hilarious when people are like, why isn't AMD launching those rumored six cores for $100? Well, they already have them. It's called Zen 1. Just go by that. It's fine. That's a 3.8 gigahertz. It has, you know, 15% lower IPC, but it's like, I can assure you if AMD made a Zen 2 six core for 100 bucks, they would not be clocked high. <laughs> so <laughs> just there's that. And then for 130 bucks right now, you can get the R5. 30, no, 2600, that's Zen Plus. And then what I've always been saying is if you could get a 2700 Zen 2, 65 watt processor for like 130, you want that, and 150 for the 2700X. And I would, I would, that's the only thing I'd say, Dan. I would recommend the 2700X for 150 over a $160 six core Ryzen. I mean, uh, 3,000, even though the Ryzen 3000 will, uh, you know, have higher IPC. It's, it probably won't even be clocked faster. It'll probably actually be clocked. Remember, the 2700X runs at 4.3 gigahertz. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just a matter of when, once it's officially announced, ha how it performs. And I'll, I'll probably get whatever is the better performing CPU at this point. Or, well, or prices because you can... Every once in a while, you can get some insane prices for uh, Zen Plus uh, CPUs right now. Yeah. Like, I, I think you shared a link, like, it was sub $100 for a six core. Or something. Like, some of those deals that you see at, like, Micro Center. Yeah. It was $90 
I think it may have even been $80 at one point for an R5-1600 and then you get $30 off a motherboard. And remember, you can get the cheap. I mean, just get a cheap like B... I don't even know what they are anymore, right? Like the like you can get a AM4 motherboard for like 60 bucks, $30 off, $30 motherboard plus $80 processor. <laughs> and you have a pretty competent mach- gaming machine. That'll with- last five years, as long as you're okay with 60 hertz. And even at 144 hertz, there will be plenty of games where it works fine. Like it, it's stupid. Like that level of budget gaming is un. Uh, well, we used to have it, Dan, when you had i threes for a hundred bucks from Sandy Bridge. We don't have that anymore. Uh, you know, I think we're going to go back to that era. And uh, speaking of that, though, meanwhile, number five is Intel's one fifty dollar i five, which I see a lot of people recommending who don't know what they're talking about when they're like, yeah, but what about those cheap six core i fives without hyper threading? Those are still great at gaming, right? Did you uh, look at that? Looking at the review, what I noticed is the chip they're comparing it to is the 3600. When, if you look at the values, the 3600 is more comparable to, uh, what is it? The 9600 K? 9900. If you ask me, it's like almost interchangeable. So they're saying you can get this chip for, 25% 25% less than you can get a 3600 and it's almost as good. Well, you can make the exact same argument for the 3600. It's, it's uh, $40 cheaper for a better CPU. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and the fact of the matter is it's not clocked fast enough to make up for only six threads. And this is something I've said is when I saw those six core i5s without hyper-threading, I was like, nope. Should have gone to eight cores. What's that clocked out again? Um, let me look. I actually don't bloody remember. I mean, not fast. I mean, so this is the budget budget version. I don't actually see it in here. So, but it's like you know, it's like four gigahertz or something. You know, and what you have to remember is that you have to, at its base clock, it's like super low. That's the point. And this thing is just. It's it's really bad right now. People are buying these six core i5s. I don't think Sorry, it's uh 2.9 gigahertz. That's insanely bad. Boost to 4.1. Yeah, but keep that in mind with its quote-unquote 65 watt TDP. It's holding 2.9 guys. That's all yeah. they have to guarantee. You might get a chip that boosts higher, but they only guarantee 2.9 gigahertz six cores no hyperthreading. <laughs> yeah, it should be. You know what this should cost? It should cost $100. This is dumb. Intel is going to have i3s coming out soon that are four cores, eight threads, and they will run at 4.5 gigahertz and they will kick the shit out of the stupid i5 because they have <laughs> hyperthreading. This is so insanely dumb. I'm so sick of this stuff. If you're going to remove hyperthreading for efficiency, Intel, I get it, but the i5s should be eight cores, right? If you think about it, i7s used to be four cores, six threads, so i5s, and i9 is a marketing number. It's still... Right? Like the 9900K should be called an i9, i7, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we have a, que- a reader mail question here from Bobby Buttcrack. Nice name. Bobby Buttcrack. 3700X or 3900X be better for streaming. And I would say more cores equals better for streaming, but I have a feeling there won't be a difference in almost any game. Yeah. 3900X is obviously like it's a better CPU. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 
if you think about it, the only thing I'll say is that'll last like five years, which is a long time. And you can upgrade because AMD will probably bring at least one. I think one more generation will come to AM4. So there's that coming. But what you got to think about is the consoles. I keep saying, I see so many people say the 3600 is the new 2500K. And in many ways it is. But I think the 2700X might be. You know, maybe the 2700X is the new i7-920. I don't know. But <laughs> either way, both of those processors gamed about the same. So yeah. I would say the 2700X, if you can get it cheaper than a 3600, might, as long as it's 10, 20% cheaper, not like almost the same price. I think that might be a better choice because the new consoles are going to have 3.2 gigahertz, eight cores. Now they have higher IPC, but... 2700X runs at 4.3 gigahertz. So I, I think that is incredibly future-proofed. And if you want to stream on top of that for over five years, 3900K is probably what you want, but you can't even buy them right now. I don't know. I mean, it depends how long you can wait. I keep saying this, that things are about to change. Wait as long as you can to upgrade. Unless there's something you need something for right now, don't upgrade yet. But if you're building a new system, the 3700X is a better deal. I mean, there's no argument there. And let's move on to number... What are we on then? Six. Intel officially announces they're glued together 400-watt CPUs. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, it definitely uses a lot of energy. <laughs> it's a 400-watt CPU. By the way, guys, actually before this podcast comes out, I might have a video out talking about it. That I think this is the bulldozer event for Intel. I think it might, this This is bulldozer right here. There's a very good analogy you could draw to bulldozer. It's just the companies are reversed. Like they're, it, it really just pales in comparison to the, what AMD has to offer right now. Yeah, it's, it's honestly insane. And this is what I'll highlight in that video that I just recorded before we started this podcast is I reached out to several people in the server industry. And, and the thing I really want to hit home is you're not crazy. When you see a 400 watt, <laughs> 56 core competing with AMD's 225 watt, 64 core, there's not something you're missing. None of them say anything, but this doesn't make literally any sense to me. No one's saying, well, there's this one application where, no, this is insanity. There is no use case these people can give me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think what this is ultimately for is holding on to existing customers, right? So this is something I outlined in the podcast with a server engineer that people don't seem to get. Intel has capacity problems right now, and it's because people are buying Intel processors in record numbers. And the reason they are is because when they get hit with a security vulnerability, let's say one comes out. In fact, I talk about this in the video. Side channel attack just came out, by the way, Dan. 8% performance hit to Intel processors. So me and you can enjoy that coming fucking right now, by the way. Yeah, and that was a point I forgot. That, that was one of the best things I thought he talked about in the entire podcast. It was a bombshell. No one else is talking about this. Yeah, it was just so revealing to why these capacity issues exist. Because on its face, you don't quite understand what's going on. Intel's doing great, Dan. That's why. I'm an analyst. Look at me. I'm a fucking idiot. Well, like, what What did he say his numbers? He said it was generally 20 to 40%, but that he knew people where it was 80. He had some people claiming 80%. He said they were not running their server correctly, though. Y yeah, he's, he did say that those people are probably stupid. <laughs> <But> <laughs> That's correct. 
But he said that there are realistic scenarios where it's 60. And to be clear, I'm paraphrasing what he says. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's what I took from it. I've talked to him since then. He thinks they're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so to be clear, we're talking about 60% performance hits. So what does that mean? If you're a healthcare company and you have servers and you need to provide care to patients... You have people using your servers to buy medication. Are you? Do you want that to happen? They go to the doctor. They can't get medication that keeps them alive. I mean, come the fuck on. What are you going to do? What you're going to do is you're going to immediately double the size of your servers because you have to. And this is... Let's talk about it now. The video is going to talk about this. He says he's going to try to switch to Epic a year early. He was going to wait for Zen 3. He doesn't want to anymore. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. Uh, quick. This is a bombshell. Do you mean on his personal server or the server that he operates for that bank? Because the entire bank. Okay, because but yeah, I mean, if that's if he's trying to convince them to switch a year early, that yeah, that's a big deal. And in fact, the video touches on a presentation as of this recording, which is August seventh, that AMD just had their Rome launch New Horizon event. HP switching. Dell, switching. Lenovo, switching. Microsoft, switching. They all came out on stage, Dan, like an hour ago. Real? Oh, I did not see that. <laughs> and uh, if I pull out my phone and look at Robinhood, uh, AMD is doing pretty fucking well right now in the stock price. <laughs> so this is what you guys got to understand. People were buying up Intel chips because if you have a gun up to your head and people's lives depend on you, and they do for many of these people, you go, I'm doubling the size of the server right now to make sure I can keep capacity. I cannot be overloaded. So they just doubled the size. And that's what's been happening in the past two years. Yeah, and from an abstract point of view, like all of these companies, just, I mean, a bank losing, a bank not being able to support its uh, network for an hour, that's <laughs> also re- might be potentially... How about six weeks in England? Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? England's doing great, Dan. They don't have any issues right now. <laughs> None. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number seven. Let's talk about Ice Lake. I've done a couple videos on it. There's been some previews. What are your initial opinions of Ice Lake? It might potentially be decent. I, I guess that's... Right? Like better that, than what I, I we think, have now. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. You did you watch that video, my ice lake one? Uh yes. Yeah. I mean, my opinion is is it better than Whiskey Lake? And I own a Whiskey Lake I7. Yes, it is. Is it better as much better than Whiskey Lake than Whiskey Lake was compared to KB Lake? No. It's half as much at most. Like, and that's the argument I made in that video is we're talking about a 10 nanometer process that I think was used as a token process. I think this would have been slightly better on 14 nanometer, but they made the decision to take a 5% performance hit just to say they were using 10 nanometer. I mean, yeah, if they, they've been stuck on 14 nanometer for so long, I, I would imagine that shareholders in these meetings like seeing and we're still trying to get 10 nanometer to work that looks bad and and by the way guys i trade these stocks i listened to the intel earnings call live that was 
hard to listen to. You li- literally had, and I and I and this is a chance. This is a time where I'll give the analysts, the, you know, the people at Goldman Sachs and stuff credit. They were done with this bullshit. <laughs> In the meeting I was in, they were seriously just going like, well, we're ramping up. And then he goes, when you say ramping up, what do you mean ramping up? You've been ramping up for three quarters. <laughs> and they weren't afraid to ask it anymore. They were pissed. Man. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I mean, yeah, AMD, at least in Mindshare, is objectively doing way better right now than Intel is. I got a question here from a new Patreon subscriber, which if you subscribe to my Patreon, you can talk to me on Discord. Uh, he asked, <laughs> Dan hates the plugin. What's, what's his name? Here we go. Two in the amp. M. A-M-P-M. Here's his question. Why do you think that Ice Lake is disappointing? I agree. The USKUs are slightly underwhelming, but the Y parts are very impressive. Four cores, eight threads, I5, I7s at 9 to 12 watts with a doubling of graphics performance, which I think is amazing for a U series, even given the TDP. We'll see when they actually come to market, though, I guess. Do you, I mean, do you have anything to say immediately to that question? What I was saying earlier, it's not like these are objectively disappointing numbers. It's just there's nothing that impressive about them. Zen 2 is not out yet on laptop. Not yet. Yeah, that's true. It, it, yeah, I, I mean, they're good comp. They're decent, competent CPUs, and that's what I would say. Like, they're decent. They're not doing that much with them, though. Exactly. Uh, when I looked at the benchmarks, and I'm like the only one, by the way, good for Anantech. Did you know they benchmark Canon like 10 nanometer? They're like the only website to do that a year ago. Like, they <laughs> ordered some obscure Chinese laptop that. Intel only sold because they were like, oh, we'll find one place we can sell a 10 nanometer for a week so we can say we did it. Like they bought that and benchmarked it. And back then they were like, this is woefully behind 14 nanometer to a point that it's hilarious. When I look at these processors, let's let's do it one two steps. First step is the CPU. The CPU has higher IPC and the IPC impresses me. Uh, honestly. Like, it really seems to be 10 to 20% better. That's like, huh, that's cool. <laughs> I would consider getting an Ice Lake CPU if it was at 5 gigahertz. Hashtag, can it do 5 gigahertz? But... No, probably not. <laughs> no, it can't even fucking do 3 gigahertz reliably. So that's my point, though, is it's like, I don't know which parts of the architecture of Ice Lake are intrinsic on 10 nanometer in which part they could backport to 14 nanometer. It seems like it depends on their new process. So I'm very skeptical they'll get this to work within three years. By then, AMD will have more than a 15% IPC increase, guys. So then what you do, and this is like the people that say, oh, the 5700's on 7 nanometer, so who cares? Who cares? It's a product for this much money. Who cares what process it's made on? If you made a two nanometer graphics card right now that was only 5% better than a 2080 Ti, I would buy it, right? It's better. So who cares what process they use? The fact of the matter is, Ice Lake, this thing we've been waiting for six years, I think. I think the meme I put together was six years, is at best slightly better than their 14 nanometer for, on the CPU side. It's more efficient, but it's not, well, it's not crazy more efficient. Let's move to the graphics card. The graphics card is better than what they have now, but they've literally been rebranding the same graphics card since Broadwell. Dan has <laughs> the graphics card in Ice Lake. Look at Dan. 
<laughs> like, like this is, I'm sorry, the graphics card in Coffee Lake. Like, this is so stupid. And when I see they double graphics performance while using 15 watts, I go, awesome. This is better. And to be clear, maybe there will be some cool MacBooks coming out. And I say that. I say that in the video. These 10-watt MacBooks, this is going to be sick. You're going to get this graphics card as strong as current as the PS... Uh, well, no, not as strong as the PS4 base, but as strong as the Xbox One base, probably, that use 10 watts and can play games from two years ago well. But who cares about games from two years ago? Right now, NVIDIA is selling 10-watt graphics cards. I have one, the MX250, that can play The Division in 768p at locked 30 frames, high settings. If I pushed it, I could get it to like 60. Like this is as strong as an Xbox One and it uses 10 watts. So the <laughs> fact that you have an APU that is half that performance, that's not good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it only matters if the performance you're getting is uh, at least like comparable. I don't know. <laughs> and I suspect that's his question. He sees these big performance increases. The CPU is 10% stronger, which is, is decent compared to what Intel usually does. Is The graphics card is double. And you go, that's impressive. Intel hasn't increased graphics performance since Broadwell, uh, uh, undisputably since Skylake. So this has been four years of stagnation and they doubled performance. That's not impressive to me, especially when the MX-150 was out last year. The MX-250 came out the end of last year. MX-350 is probably coming out by the end of this year and will add 50% more performance again, guys. And that's from NVIDIA. Who knows what AMD is working on? This is a joke. I don't see them displacing NVIDIA with this. Although, again, I have one bullish Intel Z graphics video where I go, I think Intel could do this, but they're just not there yet. They're not there. Yeah, and this might be an early signal to what we're seeing for the future is Intel actually being able to figure out how to scale up the performance they've been stuck on for, what, like five, four years now? Four? Let's be clear. I think there is a non-zero above non-zero. I think there is a 50-50 chance that we will get realistic 10 nanometer processors next year. But let's be clear what that means. It would be comparable to the Broadwell processors Dan owns. These aren't Skylight, guys. These are Broadwell. I think Broadwell on 10 nanometer is next year. Again, I think you guys know what I mean, <laughs> right? Like, I think yeah. that's what that means. We're going to get to almost the same clock speeds as Coffee Lake, but 15% higher IPC. That's what Broadwell did. Broadwell was clocked 10% lower, but it had a lot higher IPC than Haswell, especially with the L4 cache. Okay, that, that was cool. I think that's what they're going to do next year. I think 2021 is when they get to probably not the same, but similar clock speeds as 14 nanometer. And if they get us that on time, it might be really cool. But it's just not there yet, guys. <laughs> and by the time they're there, I worry in AMD will be on Zen 4 with 30% higher IPC crushing. Them. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see. And... Look, I mean, Ice Lake isn't horrible. It is better, but Whiskey Lake was better, and that was on 14 nanometer. I think this was a token node. This is a uh, this is a token launch. That's what I think. And, and let's say, and this is the last thing I'll say: if they can scale this up linearly from 
I don't know what they're at right now. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's seven watts for MX250 performance, which it's not there, but let's, I'm like giving them so many benefits of the doubt. Yeah, if they can scale that up by a factor of 10, yeah, we're talking about GTX 1660Ti power usage with 1080 Ti performance a year from now. If that happens, mm -hmm. they will make a splash. <laughs> but yeah. think about where we're at, right? The 5700 is already 180 watts and is 10% weaker than a 1080 Ti. AMD is not that far behind that. A year from now, it might not actually be that great. That's what's so sad. But it could be. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Bootman writes in from Reader Mail. Is Intel's 10 nanometer getting power per, per performance for PC on a new level, or is the sweet spot on lower wattage chips? And can AMD make it to the laptops as so many hope, like me? Intel is heavy on laptops and has been the only real choice for a decade. Low power 3400D on a laptop, 4400D with Navi, HPM. Yeah, I mean, I think Ice Lake is going to be absurdly impressive in the net in these ultra small netbooks. Linus Tech Tips just did a video with a nine-inch laptop, and uh, it was cool. I think that's where Ice Lake's going to actually push boundaries. But and go on. I, I think seeing something like that is very cool. Like I, I like the idea of these ultra small laptops, where at least some people, maybe in the future, there's just going to have like essentially a similar laptop phone hybrid thing, but- uh, I'm glad you said that. My dream laptop, and I might do a video on it eventually, is a, probably a 10-inch laptop, completely bezel-less that just barely is as big as what we would call a phablet now, fits in my back pocket, and it folds as a two-in-one into a phone that's super thin, and it boots Android when I fold it into a phone. I want a 10-inch phone that is bezel-less. I'll take the big phone for that. You give me that, and I can make calls and leave it in a phone configuration all day, and then I fold it into a laptop, and it boots into Windows 10, and then I can play Half-Life 2, Age of Empires, Division with Dan, even at, even at minimum settings. I don't care. Like, that is a dream come true. I'm waiting, and then I can plug it into a monitor, a keyboard when I'm on the go. That's my dream. So I think Intel may be able to get to that with Ice Lake. And I don't know, I think they're working on Golden Cove right now and Tiger Lake. Those will be interesting. We'll see if they can get there. Guys, there's a chance I might continue to buy Intel laptops if they get there before AMD. Having said that, I think there's a timer going on right now. Zen 3, by the end of next year, is coming out. I talked to people again today. It's coming out in a year. A year. And AMD is going to double efficiency again. So this timer is ticking. I think, but I think there could be a narrow point of time where late quarter one through late quarter three next year, Intel is still a crazy good option for laptops, Bootman. I think that's a there. But I think it's going to take AMD. And I think there's no point in AMD pushing into laptops until they can march in with a golden army that conquers everything. There's just no point. When you build a laptop, you build the entire laptop around a chip because it's all about thermals and min-maxing performance. So there's no point in AMD trying until they have something over twice as good. Yeah, and it's very clear where Intel is still very good as they are very good at binning really the most efficient chips. Like 
like with these. You've watched my videos, right? Yeah, yeah. With these very, very. It's good, insane. These very good CPUs at a insanely low power usage. I, where I, I, I continue to min max undervolt my laptop, and at this point, I've got it at seven watts, boosting to three gigahertz all core turbo. Yeah, seven watts. So it's just. I mean, I, and I guess that's <laughs> that's the plus on of being on a node for so many years is they're able to do that <laughs> for five years, for half a decade. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, and this is a question that's not in the script that I sent you, but it's been mentioned in my Discord is um, how long do you think they'll use 14 nanometer? Oh, for another five years. They just doubled their capacity on 14 nanometer. They're going to keep using it. You might see... 10 nanometer laptop chips, 7 nanometer Samsung desktop Halo chips, and then 14 nanometer i3s and i5s. That's what I think's coming. Yeah, and I mean we'll see. Like they'll be there as long as it's there's still useful to have them there. So. Which will be for 5 years, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and remember, it, let's say Intel gets 7 nanometer working in 2022. And then what do they do, right? They start building seven nanometer foundries, upgrading their foundries. It's going to take a decade to upgrade all of their like 30, 30, 30 foundries to seven nanometer. So while that's going on in the background, they'll continue to make 14 nanometer chips. And they don't need to make them for themselves either. They can make 14 nanometer for Apple. They have. Intel's made Apple chips before. Like they could just make other stuff. And there's plenty of things that don't need the cutting edge, by the way. Okay, so number eight. Lots of AIB 5700 XTs coming out. And it to me, it looks like they're all going to be at MSRP. What do you think of that? Um, I mean, I think it's good. To, what is MSRP for the 5700? Again, it's like $350, correct? So, right, yeah. The official at time of launch, because it changed, <laughs> uh, 5700 is 350 the 5700 XT was 400 and then there was a special edition that was like 5% stronger at most for 450 which it, I don't know. I like the color gold. If you like the color gold, it was cool. <laughs> I'm glad to see MSRP actually having somewhat of a meaning now. That's good. <laughs> I don't remember what like Vega 56 is MSRP, but <laughs> it was like $200. Like the lowest you could get was $200 above MSRP when that Vega 56 and 65. Vega launched at the height of the mining boom. That was uh, just so everyone knows here. I remember this. Me, Dan, and three other friends were playing Battlefield 1 at the same time in a squad. We were in a French map or something. I remember it was that urban map. I don't know if you remember the name. But, and we were fighting, and I remember everyone asking me, and this was actually like literally. No, this is a year before I launched my channel. God, it was that long ago. And um, they, everyone was asking me, because I was always kind of the, right? Would you agree, Dan? I'm the PC guru in our group. Am I not? Yeah. Like, yeah. no surprise. And this was before I had the channel. And they were like, what do you think about Vega? And I was just like, I don't think Vega's as good as Fury was for its time. Certainly not as good as the 290X or 7970 was. But here's what I think. I think Vega at its MSRP, if you can actually get it, is going to be the best price you'll be able to buy a GPU for for years. Which I did get it pretty close to MSRP when I got the Vega 56, but I did also wait like four months to get it. <laughs> did you? I don't remember that for some reason. I somehow remember you getting it at launch. Did you not? 
<laughs> no, I I was looking for deal. It might not have been for. It was probably closer to two months where I was just constantly checking. Can I get it at MSRP? Can I get it at MSRP? And eventually, I found one for. I think it was like four fifty. That's four fifty. Yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty good for the time. <laughs> All right, let's move on. This is the last main point of this long podcast, and I say honestly, here's the thing. There are a ton of product launches for our previous podcast, my previous Loose Ends video, which I think are comparable. This one is just almost just like a two-hour Loose Ends video, isn't it? Like, But what I think this is loading up to is, and it's that video I did that I've made one of my marquee videos on my website that I've highlighted at the top of me, is it's like, I think the next five to 10 years are going to be nuts. And I don't think people are fully realizing how much is about to change. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's just, it seems like a lot of limits for how the current paradigm has worked for, has been going for, I don't know, a long time. 20 years. Yeah. 20 I think years. We're, More I think we're cores, final- higher frequencies, past 20 years. Yeah. I think we're finally reaching like the point where those limits are going to be met so they need to start getting more creative. So we're seeing going to see things maybe in the next five to ten years, like the CPU, like uh, chiplet menus, shit like that. Which I'm excited to see all new changes and finally something more interesting than more cores, more cores, <laughs> more clock. Hashtag chaos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I think about this, I remember you saying this to me, and I agree. Which was when we saw the the. Uh, RX Fury with HBM. We were like, is that allowed? They're allowed to not use GDR5? I mean, they've been using GDR5 since the 4000 series. That's when I got into PCs. And I remember <laughs> the theory and being like, what is this stacked memory? Like, and it's just so different. And I think we're going to see stuff like that every half year for the next 10 years. That's what I think coming up soon. I think 2020 <laughs> is going to start this and it's, well, you could argue it's already started with the um, completely divided up chiplets of Zen 2, but this is what we're going to see. Every half year, something crazy compared to what we're used to. I think the idea of chiplets is really challenging. The really challenges the way that we used to think about the market where it's just, oh, they can quote unquote glue things together now. And I think that's a big a big, big shift. So let that- me reference this here. This is the video I've already recorded a couple of days ago that I'm just saving because it's not time sensitive that I think might come out this Sunday after this video or after this podcast. And it's the limitless future of iodides and chiplets. And I'm just, I want you guys to start thinking about this. Zen 2 is literally the most boring implementation of chiplets you could imagine. What did AMD do? We split up the die into three parts. That's literally all they did. That's not that crazy. That's like, it's actually been done before in Intel processors. They have split the IO up before. This isn't insane. What's insane is they were able to use two core chiplets at the same time as an IO die without losing performance. That's (laughs) what's been crazy. Intel's done this before, guys. What's crazy is to think of what happens with die shrinks, I think, because we're not going to get higher clock speeds anymore. Look, guys, five gigahertz is the wall, I think. But we will continue to double density almost every node. So think about what we're at now. 
The 12 nanometer dyes they're using for the IO is 440, I think, millimeters squared. That's almost Vega 14 nanometer size. That's huge. And it uses about half the energy of Zen 2. That's actually also, did you know this, Dan? The dye they use for uh, chipsets for X570, they literally just put a little extra in the IO dye so they could use the same dye for the chipset. <laughs> so, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and so when people go, why do they need fans on X570? Guys, it's because they've got a Vega graphics card built into the motherboard. <laughs> um, but so think of what they can do when they have that again. And this is what I show in the video. You get to a Navi-sized die with seven nanometer IO dies. Oh, ooh, now it's not taking up nearly as much room. You can put three chiplets next to it, but you're already thinking linearly. What happens when you get to five nanometer? Oh, now we're looking at like how, like MX560 sizes. Mm -hmm. How much space? All right, so do the math, right? This is what I thought of. And this is just... This isn't confirmed. This is just me spitballing, spitballing people. The 5700 XT is 251 millimeters squared. That's 40 compute units. Divide that by 10. Four compute <laughs> units. That's 256 stream processors. Dan, do you remember yeah. when we used that? Me and Dan are old enough that we remember graphics cards. By the way, that will run Age of Empires, StarCraft, Half-Life 2. That'll run that. How much space would that take up on 5 nanometer? Five, not seven. Divided by two, divided by two again from where we are now. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> divided by 10. That's like a 10 millimeter squared graphics card. It would cost AMD literally dollars to add a 10 millimeter squared graphics card to the iodine. All of a sudden, their entire lineup is APUs overnight. And they could, and that's a powerful enough APU to run three monitors. What else could they do? They could literally say, we're going to put a Kabini processor, these tiny processors, on the iodi. All of a sudden, you don't even need a processor. They could sell $20 processors on AM, AM5, I guess, that have a quad core that's good for basic tasks and a graphics card for basic tasks. And then you decide. That's when you decide. Do you want to add an eight core that's high performance to it? Guys, you're really thinking super linearly. There that word is again. When it comes to what they can do with IO dies, they could literally, by just increasing die size by like 10%, add a small graphics card and a small quad core for background tasks like the, like the uh, consoles have. And all of a sudden, your entire lineup has a quad core for background tasks. Your entire lineup has a backup graphics card. Also, these can be used apparently, right? In motherboards, all of a sudden... All of your motherboards have a built-in graphics card. <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds cool. I, I, I guess I don't know if this is that's the direction they're going to go. Maybe it but is. But could they? It's common sense. Yeah, they could. And that's what I'm saying. This is me thinking for like 30 minutes, just ruminating next to my dog, petting her, thinking about what the possibilities are. 30 minutes. There are people that work at AMD who are paid six figures to think of this stuff. The stuff that's coming should not be underestimated. And Intel is rumored to be working on processors that combine threads into one thread and actually lower latency because there's no stalling because the threads are handling any stalls. These, it's going to be an insane five years, guys. <laughs>
Like you're going to see stuff you were like, we're, I, I really, really, really think we're going to look back at Sandy Bridge and go, well, look at that piece of shit. <laughs> like I literally, like I literally think in five years we could have a Sandy Bridge processor with a stronger graphics card built into the IO of a motherboard. <laughs> and you don't even need a graphics card. You want to update the BIOS? Has a processor built in. Why? Because it costs $5 to put a processor <laughs> in it. And that's just what I'm thinking of, right? Yeah. And that all of this isn't confirmed, but it's certainly possible. That's what I wanted to talk about. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't know. I would need to think more about it. To, well, yeah, I, you, I, I would This was probably a hashtag sneak attack on you, what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it's it's fascinating. And let's get to the last reader question here. Meal then, I believe in Gaelic, that's his name. Uh, mm. Asks, do you have a perf- a preference for how you receive your games? Download physical was part of the motivation for DLCs. Let's just let's just have five minutes, ten minutes of this. Like uh, Dan, what do you what do you think? Uh, physical um, uh, DLCs. What do you think about this whole gaming situation? I would say overall, like. I used to have a preference towards physical media, just I don't know why really. Uh, but there's not really a purpose to having physical media anymore because a lot of what the discs do at this point is just like... Install it. Yeah, it's, it's the same as a download, except now you have to put a disc in. Uh, <laughs> and for uh, DLCs, I think I've said this. I, I, I know I've said this to you before. I guess I don't know if I've said it in the podcast. I think... DLCs and season passes were a way to sneak price increases in video games without. But it access. didn't work. It didn't work. No, you're right. It did not work. Like because if you look at Battlefield, see, you can Battlefield see Battlefield on. One. No, but let's go back farther. Battlefield One made. They said this made more money in the last six months of its life than the previous year, and it's because they had made all the DLC free, and that's why they decided to make all the maps and upgrades and weapons free in Battlefield Five. They're like, oh, and this is something I've talked to you before multiple times. Is I think Battlefield realized if you they- think more creatively about this, here's what you can do. So right now, Battlefield Five is going to have like eight maps come out for the Pacific Theater. That's an entire game's worth of content. Now, if you were to launch Battlefield 5.5 Pacific Edition for $60, no one would fucking buy that. But what you could do is advertise it like it's a new game, and you uh, combine it with the 20 maps it already... I don't know what it has, but 12 maps it already has. I I don't remember. (laughs) It's like, it's at least... 10. I think it's 11 or 12. But the 12 maps it already has, you add eight more and you just advertise it like it's a new game, but then you make it clear in the advertising, you get 20 maps, guys. And then every year they can add a massive expansion and continue to sell it for 40 to $60 instead of look at Battlefield 4. They were forced to drop that game to $5 like a year later. And this avoids that. Yeah, I, I I guess we'll see what happens when the next Battlefield comes out. Probably well next year. It's going to come out next year. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Actually, we'll see. The new consoles come out next year, and they rush Battlefield Four onto the next gen with PS4, and it just <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> it only worked on PC. Me and you were okay. It was buggy, but I remember being told. I had a friend who said on PS3, quite literally. And that map, I think it was Hammond Resort or something, like yeah. where that giant um, resort is. This is a decent, it's a pretty good map where you can collapse entire parts of this massive hotel. 
He said, if you looked at the hotel while it was collapsing, your game would freeze. And so (laughs) people would troll and blow up the resort and then everyone would look away from it. Um, Like that's the type of shit you don't want to happen. And maybe an inaccurate perception of how gaming works where I see all the time uh, game developers saying, well, we make pretty much all of our money in the first two weeks after release. So the idea was... Well, if we're making all of our money in the first two weeks, then we need to sell this game. We need, we're pre- going to pretend to sell this game for $60, but it's actually $100, $120. Well, where maybe there's a way where you can stretch out the legs of a game and keep it and keep like Battlefield 5 at $40 or $50 for two years, and people will still buy it if they keep adding free content to it. Yeah, and that just didn't pan out. I mean, it worked for some games like Borderlands 2 where, yeah, for 30 bucks, you got like, you know, four, I mean, four 20-hour, like four 10-hour campaigns, which it wasn't really that long of a campaign, but like it it was worth it. But it's like you had this situation where everyone was like, is it worth it? Isn't worth it? Do I want to buy it right away? And then you got into the same trap, logic trap you got into before. People are waiting for your game to lower the price. Well, we'll also wait for your DLC to lower the price, motherfucker. <laughs> like, and this is so dumb. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I guess it's more of a matter of can you convince people to, and we'll see if this is effective with Battlefield Five. Can you essentially advertise a release every six months for two years as opposed to selling it for $60 for three months and then three months later, $20, six months later, that game is now $5, but the DLC is still like 20 <laughs> Yeah, and um, what I would say is it's just, it's just so funny that they've discovered the other side of the same coin. They wanted to extend how long they could make money while a game is out, whereas they should have been looking for how long can we get people to pay $60 for a game? Because it's really the same argument. It's just the other side of it. It's just like, and you, I, you don't need to lower the price and then expect them to pay for DLC. What you could do is if these people weren't willing to buy Battlefield Five, for example, at $60 with the content it has at launch, which personally I think is an absurd amount of content. You don't, it's more than enough content, but that's me. Some people might not agree with that. And so you wait a year and you go, well, now we've added the Pacific Theater. Is it worth $60 now? I yeah, think that works. And, I think that's a better argument actually. And we'll see. And if this does work out, I think hardcore fans of games that try to switch to this release model will feel less alienated. Like a person that buys Battlefield or if Call of Duty tries to switch to a model like this, which I don't know what Call of Duty is doing. They, <laughs> Anyways, but if they more games try to switch to a model like this, I think the day one fans will feel less alienated and maybe they'll be yes, more likely to buy because we're it. getting the content, right? We're, we're Right, because you're right. You're right. It, it incentivizes you to wait for the game of the year edition. <laughs> the last thing I'll add here is, and this is just hilarious to me, is me and you discovered I9, and I want to be very clear to the listeners, I, here's how it's spelled, I9 hyphen 9900K is bleeped out in the text chat on Battlefield 5. And I did some investigating of oh, my own. Oh, you did? And I found the only thing I could find that was bleeped out were I-9-9900K and variants of it, the actual correct spelling. 
I tried Ryzen 5. Yeah, if you do a bullshit version, they'll let you, but they bleeped it out. But no, I, I, I tried Ryzen CPUs. I tried lower tiered Intel CPUs. I tried GPUs. None of them are censored except for the i9-9900K. Oh, just the 9900K, huh? Yeah, so I thought at first, my first immediate thought was they were trying to discourage people from talking about PC hardware, but I think... Which, by the way, that's a thing. If you go on Battlefield Five for some reason, and I mean this quite literally... Like every third game. No, like every third game. You think it, every third? You think every third someone brings up PC hardware? I think every third a conversation about PC hardware happens. Okay. Yeah, every third game, I think it's mentioned every game, but I think every third game, an argument breaks out about PC hardware in the text chat, which is just, I, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, and I'm get, my guess is that i9-9900K was specifically used to troll in the chat. That's my best guess. I've done it before a few times. <laughs> I mean, and I troll AMD people too. Like I'll just shit on Ryzen randomly and then just all everyone. Hey, it's almost a way to win. If you can tell your team's better, you want to make a team that's slightly losing, lose even more, get them to start arguing because half their people will pause to type to you and you just kill them. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of just like, uh, I personally for me on these text chats, I see troll bait laid out a lot and then I like to pick up on the bait and then just take it to some weird absurd thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Every time I play this with Dan just so you guys know I don't so I let it feed I don't let it hide it's always up because it doesn't distract me for whatever reason I just I look at the center of my screen while I'm fighting and then every now and then I'll glance up and I'll just see Dan just like making this ridiculous bullshit political <laughs> argument pretending to be right wing or left wing pretending to like 9900Ks and it's just like Dan what did I miss? <laughs> you missed like three messages where I made this progressively dumber <laughs> And Dan, and if you can tell there's a few people arguing, Dan's like, I got this, hold my beer. And he just runs <laughs> in and he tries to take it to the next level. And then I just nuke the chat. By the way, trolling on Battlefield 5, highly underrated, guys. Like, holy shit, is it fun. I encourage you to try it. And the best part is... Try there's it out. A, try it out, yeah. Try it out. Keep it high and tight, Dan. There's a certain amount of comedy in the battlefield community that i've noticed where you'll see these names i was in one game where the scoreboard was like bilbo saggins and <laughs> there's one guy long john dick <laughs> like vape nation 420 is there anything else going on any other story any other product we didn't mention even for a minute you want to mention no i would just like to mention that I'm a very tired person. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. We went for a while on this one. And well, I've also been... You got your work cut out for you, Gerard, <laughs> our new sound editor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, I think this is the best episode. But <laughs> Dude, did you... So, just so you know, what's so funny about this podcast is you have the viewers on YouTube and then you have the viewers on the podcast feed. And you can look and see Paul from Not an Apple Fan when I talk to him, which I'll have him on again, guys, soon. Um, 
We're already talking about the next episode. His episode in the podcast feed is incredibly popular, absurdly popular, but Cortex's YouTube feed is like triple everyone else's. However, the previous episode me and Dan did is kind of almost the highest one if you combine them. So just so you know, Dan, we're giving the people what they want right now. More battlefield trolling. Well, we can we can upload screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the end. Okay. Uh, thank you, Gerard, in advance for editing this together. And there are two more episodes banked for the podcast. Much more to come. Thank you for joining me again, Dan of Moore's Law is Dead. <laughs> Dan of me trying to come up with some stupid thing every time. <laughs> Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Law is Dead, and also co-hosted by my brother, Dan. Please visit Moore's Law is Dead at YouTube to see much more in-depth analysis of AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA products and rumors. Also, if you love this podcast, please subscribe and consider giving me a review on your distributor of choice. It really does help. And if you really like this and my other content, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Law is Dead. Unlocked or higher supporters get to submit questions and have in-depth discussions with me after videos and podcasts. Plus, there are a lot of intelligent people on the included Discord channel that are having some pretty enlightening hardware discussions right now. I bet they wish you could join them. In fact, I will now give thanks to my Netburst or higher supporters immediately because I could not afford to dedicate the time or resources necessary to providing this content you like without these supporters. And so, without further ado, well, actually, let me say this. This is not a stitched together edit of every name that I have recorded recently. Every week, I say the same thank yous to all the names on my list again, because I want to remember all the people making this possible. On August 7th, 2019, the following supporters are at the net burst 10 gigahertz or higher level. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Baraz, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al Kawari, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Calm Marco, Otterwise Tech, Thigh Rister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Reniger, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cash, Night Rogue, 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Michael Costa, Bollocks, Derek, Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem. And of course, thanks to Gerard, our new audio editor. You will get your own special thank you as standard soon. And the other video editor reaching out to me. A reminder to everyone that this is a team you are supporting, not just me. And of course, thanks to Sahara for this music. Music.